The Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk man. I back it up. And we are talk full of that, man. I'm right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line. Just stone cold set up. If you're gonna blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howell. Let's not waste any time. Let me bring in the rest of the team that's going to guide us, <coughs> that's going to ride with me through this adventure. You guys will understand that there might be stops and starts in this podcast. <laughs> I tested positive for strep throat. I was sick over mm. the weekend. so Not the coronavirus. Didn't, didn't, no coronavirus. Did you get tested for the corona? I didn't get tested for the corona. You might need to get tested for the corona. I might get tested for Corona this weekend once I'm feeling better. You know what I mean? <laughs> Don't no unnecessary tests needed. Just poor humor by the But no, so if we stop, start. If my voice sounds scratchy, I'm apologizing. You're true for So anyway, let me now bring in the rest of the team who's going to take this ride with me and this adventure with us on this latest edition of the Blitz. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well yourself. Well, uh, I'm there, I'm living. And <laughs> lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-America, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award, fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL. When he was done with football, got himself back to Austin, Texas, in the 40 Acres, where he earned his degree. Whenever that T-ring comes in, he will wear it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU. And when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Thank you for the intro, brother. Rod, right, there's a couple of things we need to cover on this week's show. One we started to talk about towards the end of last week, kind of third-year guys that are in line for a big spring. And that'll dovetail as we start talking more spring football. Uh, and then we'll also have some combine talk to wrap that up as the draft process goes along. But we've got some news to talk about because I've had a lot of people asking me, Jeff, with your new role, are things with the site changing? Are things with the podcast changing? So let me just kind of set the record straight right now. I have already, but for the Blitz listeners, let me do it. Uh, I got presented with a very – and Rod can vouch for me on this. I did not pursue this. I didn't seek it. I didn't – wasn't anything I asked anybody about. This was something that station management came to me, approached me with, mm-hmm. this opportunity, and I went ahead and took it. Uh, so the lineup – on 104.9 The Horn, which, by the way, you can also access uh, via the Horn app or hornfm.com. Uh, the new lineup features myself and Craig Way from 10 to noon uh, on Light the Tower. Some days it'll be Craig and I together. Some days it'll be me by myself. Some days it'll be Craig by himself. But that is the direction they wanted to take that show. They want to get Craig back on the mm-hmm. air and have kind of a permanent fill-in host, if you will. And that's going to be my role. So, uh, you know, I've... Again, I couldn't turn that down when I heard Craig gave his put his blessing on the project, gave it his blessing. I, I was in 100 percent. So, uh, you know, doing radio on kind of a full time basis was never really a goal of mine. Uh, but again, once presented the opportunity, uh, I, I couldn't pass it up. So I'm doing that. It is not changing anything I'm doing at Horns 24-7. I'm still very much full time there, very much invested there. And 
for everybody listening to this show. It's not changing anything I'm doing with Longhorn Blitz. We're still going to do the podcast. We're still going strong. You guys realize we've been doing this since 2012. Yeah. Like we're, we're, we're turning the corner. We're venturing towards a decade doing this podcast. I know. Yeah. It's not, Think about how many people you've known in your life yeah. that long yeah. <laughs> and kept up with them on a weekly basis. That yeah. many. But that's what coaching changes does to you, Rod. It'll 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 you know make time go by really fast, and then you start looking Amen. at it, and yeah, it's it's weird how things happen quickly. So you're basically just telling the Longhorn fans it's more Jeff Howe. It's the same Jeff Howe, but now I can yeah. sit in and my office is two <laughs> hours with Craig Way. Yeah. And I mean, that is awesome, and it that was like bad. when you That's presented bad. it that way, yeah, it reminded me of like the way you see these like double-barreled uh, NBA teams where you got, you know, your Harden with your CP3 or your Westbrook. You know, one by themselves can carry the load, can do whatever. The other one fills in. There's no drop-off. Together, probably more punk. Yeah, so I'm I'm just thrilled to be, you know, I, I told Aaron Hogan this, and I can't thank uh, Lisa Hudson and everybody in the upper management at the Horn for giving me this opportunity. I told Aaron Hogan, look, I mean, I'm pretty low maintenance. Just give me a jersey, put me on the team, and, and let me go have at it. So that's kind of how I'm approaching this. So very thankful. Rod, I know we've worked together, like I said, for damn near a decade now, but we're actually like coworkers now. Yeah, you deserve it, man. You've basically been doing radio for – Yeah, for – for like I don't know, seven, eight years anyway. It's, it's a long time. Yeah, you just ex- well, I don't. Yeah, yeah, you've been doing it for free, and then you know, well, we giving ha- your takes those. Yeah. I mean, normally that's well, how Jeff got into the whole business was back when he was coming up. When you're one of those reporters, you got to be able to get your name out there and talk to the fans and yeah. have find ways to find you. So it's just a good way that naturally evolves. I mean, John, John Madani put me on the air in 2000, yeah. 2010, 2011. Yeah. I don't so. think it'll be a big thing for you. You guys no. sounded great today, so I right. appreciate that, Rod and. Things are also changing for Rod. The Rodcast, as we knew it in its live form, is no more. Yeah, but I think the Rodcast is not going to become a podcast. I'm going to turn it to a podcast of my own. That's the plan. We'll do that a little bit later. And that's going to be must listen because yeah. God knows what Rod B. You just, just turn Rod ranting. B. loose and push the record button yeah. and turn him loose. And there'll be uh, less. Uh, there'll be uh, less restrictions on me in the podcast. Oh room. yeah. So yeah. No radio conformities. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm mean, not to worry about really the FCC on my back. <laughs> Why do I see it as like a sports version, like Leon Phelps, like Rod just sitting next to the mic with a bottle of Cavarcier? And oh you know. man, yeah, I, I'm gonna. <laughs> I guess I gotta pimp it out at my house where I can basically make it. If you can podcast from the crib, that's yeah. real podcasting. Podcasting. If you have to go somewhere to podcast, that's not it. Podcasting from the crib is the way to go. That's the easiest way to that's do the easiest it. Just way get that's, it out there, streamlined. Yeah, because you can get the thoughts in their immediacy, right? Yeah. Right when you think. Well, of that's it, a great boom, thing about podcasting, like radio. Yeah. I love y'all's format because y'all get like a big, like twenty, thirty minute segment if you want to take it. But we not all radio stations do yeah. that, and still it isn't that free form where the yeah. podcast. If you get into a topic that's interesting or a good conversation, totally you don't agree. have to worry about trying to abbreviate your thoughts and be able to fit it all in. So Rod's big change is, again, part of the station changes. So those of you who are Horn listeners already know this. Those of you who are not, eh, maybe you don't care, but I'll tell you anyway. Uh, you still get Aaron Hogan and Bucky Godbolt 6 to 9 mm-hmm. or 6 to 10. Myself and Craig Way, 10 to noon. Nice. The noon to 3 block is now Chad Hastings and Trey Elling, who, as we record this, are having their first show in the studio next door. Looks like it's going well. 
I, Chad just jumped up and threw his hands in the he air. He did. And in a soundproof studio, I just heard, heard them. them. Yeah. So, yeah. I, so I don't know how loud that actually was on the air. Well, because <laughs> that's why I loved the first time being in a press box and hearing Dr. Ruben Pizarro and screaming yeah. throughout the uh, entire press love box. Love Dr. Ruben Pizarro. And considering so awesome. nobody walked out and they're still on the air, I'm guessing it was something. It was, it was something in celebratory. So, yeah, you there you go. Uh, jumping for joy, and, literally. Everybody in Austin should be excited about this. The new afternoon lineup is going to be Rod B with Kevin Dunn and Brad Kellner. I don't know how you're not excited for that show. Yeah, I'm excited. Rod, you need to be you need to be in drive time. Um, I well, I appreciate that, and I'm just glad I'm you know going to be able to have a conversation with some other human beings for once. I mean, basically, I've been doing radio nowhere for a long time, so it's going to be fun. Um, BK is basically kind of a five star recruit in football, college football terms. I mean, he's He's uh, as well-rounded as it gets. Probably, you know, I don't expect him, honestly, to be in this market for long. I think he's he's a big-time market guy. He's that kind of talent. And KD, of course, KD's been that guy already. Yeah, KD's yeah. been the big market talent guy, big TV guy. Uh, and now, I think, you know, of course, I think we're blessed to have him uh, here uh, here in Austin and here on the airways every day. So I think working with those guys, probably one of the most talented groups that I've worked with going back to my buffet days when it was Hoffa Beast and Matt Butler and you know we had oh man we had like Seth Golden was yeah. on that group I there mean, was at randoms one point, all over because Ahmad yeah. I remember Ahmad yeah, at you one point up, was part of it yeah. John Madani at one point was yep, part of Madani, it Danny Keith Moreland became part of it yep. Craig Way became well, part Craig of Way it. was all of it at, by the yeah, end y'all yeah, you had a show that was like two to seven the radio station turned into Rod and Craig for like don't forget Jacob Dedamore Jacob Dedamore my man Jacob Dedamore can't forget about him D Hanson yeah I mean it was just a group of really talented people and that's back when they were, you know, radio was a different beast. Oh, yeah, when you had David Anderson outside the hallways. If yeah, you had we had an update guy. We literally had a guy that would sit there and he would, D. Hansen would give updates. Like, yes. he would learn, let's throw it to the update desk. And, and then, boom. And he has in the same room would give his update for, like, 90 seconds. Uh, it's and so then, amazing. And then we would go back to talk. I mean, it really was. It was great. I loved it. It was great radio. It was just fun to have bounce ideas off and have these great conversations. I'm looking forward to that again. This is probably the most talented group I've been around since then. And I think they're accumulating a lot of talent around here at the Horn, including yourself. And I love that. I appreciate that, that Rod. Yeah. So that's what's going on. Again, nothing changing with me at Horns 24-7. Nothing changing with the Blitz Podcast. And with that in mind, let's move on. Let's wrap up the Combine. And Rod, probably the two easiest guys to talk about the Combine are Colin Johnson and Brandon Jones. Because they didn't do anything. Yeah. Kyle, I'll take that back. Colin well, Johnson, Colin Johnson did the bench press. And Brandon Jones, he did he did something, right? He made the headlines because of his um his research project where he researched every defense in the NFL, uh, put himself, visualized himself within that defense, and then had basically questions and a presentation ready for every team that brought him in, like, hey, this is what I would do in your defense. This is where I best fit in your defense, and basically present it to them. Yeah. Um, and it was so. I think that was a. I've never heard of that before. I'm sure people have done it before. Maybe not. Maybe he's the first one. That's fantastic. When you when you can't do a damn thing at the combine, that's the thing. The, yeah. Just the, the the scones. Yes. The test, you know what I mean? They 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 they, they respect your testicular fortitude. Not only your football acumen, but to walk in there and be like, listen, man, this is what y'all need to yeah. do with well, me. And when y'all when y'all draft me, this is what y'all should do. I love that idea. And it sort of shows it's probably a passion of his too. It like those is. things don't yeah. come out, but those are things you can read into if you're. But that's also something you want him. as a yeah. yeah you exactly. want somebody that's a film. So when you look freak. at it, and that's exactly yeah. a way that you can assess a person's talents, not necessarily looking at the measurables, but just like say, well, when we talk about football IQ, 
IQ or things along those lines. Or say, if he knows he's a fringe prospect, it's one hell of a way, too, to get into a coaching staff's mind if you ever, because obviously looks like he's the type of mind that may parallel with being a coach after his playing days, too. So you can just prove your worth on the front end to these guys, and maybe somebody will stick in your memory. And from Brendan Jones' media session, I think i got to go back and listen and see what team it was. I think he said the Packers. I think he said he met with, and they were very impressed nice. by the little presentation he had put together on what he had learned about the Packers and their defense and whatnot. Yeah, I, I, think it, I, I think it was Green Bay. Yeah. But, Rod, here's how highly Brandon Jones is thought of. And, and there's a lot of guys that do mock drafts. And, uh, you know, I'm at 24-7 Sports. We're part of the CBS Sports family, and our guys at CBS do a great job. But uh, I like Matt Miller at Bleach Report because Matt goes deep into multiple rounds Love to do Matt mock Miller's drafts. Work. Uh, and he did mm-hmm. a three a three round mock after the combine, right? He's got Brandon well, I Jones. Saw that. He's got Brandon Jones going in the third round, eighty one yeah. overall to the. That. This is going to be weird to you know, kind of adjust your brain to the Las Vegas Raiders mm-hmm. at number eighty one overall. Yeah, and I'm assuming. Well, I, I bet the assumption is he's going to run a, a good time when at the pro day. Yeah, uh, that it'll be a a good time for a safety. I mean, a low four fives is a you know a decent time for a safety. But if he runs in a four four range. Usually I think safety. there's a chance. There's a chance he could run in the four. Yeah, when he's a you're four four a safety, and he's running here. Usually guys run a little faster at the pro days than they would have at the combine anyway. So if he's if he's a four four, then yeah, I can see him skyrocketing actually, rising up some draft boards in addition to what he you know did at the combine. And at the pro day, it depends on what team you are and who's running the stopwatch that day. Oh yeah, well yeah, because every team has their own time. Right, Gil Brandt famously started publishing. And I wish I'd have brought my my research about the all time greatest, you know, forty yard dash times. He he had Deion Sanders at a four one famously four one nine or something like that. And I think this time at the combine was like a four two four five two, I, four two four and then four two like one. It got broken by it I is, well, yeah, you know, what I mean something crazy like that. But it's it just it's one of those things where I, uh, Bo Jackson has a great story that he ran a four one eight. Something like that officially, and then they said the un- unofficial time. Somebody hand clocked him at a three nine. <laughs> I <laughs> yeah. know exactly. Right. It comes like, up four one three two, and especially <laughs> think the, about back the, in the day when you didn't have nearly what yeah. the electronic so, timing does. I totally now. agree with you. Phil Sims has a famous story where he talks about <laughs> he was. I think he's from Moorhead State, so yeah. he was at their pro day, and all the scouts were at the finish line, and he was the only one at the start. And he was like, okay. Might as well make it a 37-yard dash. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it, let me stretch out a little bit here. Yeah, so, I mean, it's – but I'm just saying, like, it's, you know, it, it matters for a lot of people and it doesn't. But it's it's one of those things where, yeah, if he gets a, unofficial, somebody clocks him at, you know, four, low 4-4 four, four or 4-3, four, he's in business. And I can see him rising fast up those draft boards. His film is interesting, though. I think he, that people like the fact that he can cover. You, you, you think by one point week, yeah. versus LSU, he's our best coverage guy. Yeah. He's arguably in the LSU game versus the most prolific, potent offense in the country. You could argue he had the toughest position because they put him at, at the nickel and told him to cover, and he had he had one of the best coverage grades out of any of our defenders. Probably our best coverage grade ever. He actually made plays on the ball. Yeah, I mean, so, it was, there wasn't many good coverage grades to sort through in that exactly. game. Right? <laughs> He's one of the few that stood out. I also, you know, so I like the fact that he can cover. 
the, the tackling stuff, I think he's got good tackling on film, and I think he's got some questionable tackling on film. I don't think definitively any way you can say he's a bad tackler. I don't think you can say that, but if you want to be uber critical, you can you can throw that out there. But Grant Delpit's going to be drafted in the first round, and hell, I think Grant yeah. Delpit was a worse tackler than Brandon Jones, or Brandon Jones was a better tackler than him, in my opinion. And just, just on the field everybody that I has watched. missed tackles. Yeah, so it all depends on how they're going to play him. So I think I, I don't I say Brandon Jones. I don't know if he did it intentionally, but it's brilliant what he actually did when he went into those rooms because. It is important what team drafts him and how they use him. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I wonder if he said, don't use me as a middle field safety because I don't think that's his strength. I don't, I don't like him tracking the football like an Earl Thomas or mm-hmm. you know, a Michael Griffin even from sideline to sideline or you know, those kind of players. He's not, he, he's not really that guy. I think he's great at, at coverage. He has, I think, exceptional coverage ability for a safety. I think he has really, really high. And in the sub-package world that we live in where you're playing five, six, sometimes even seven DBs, you just need really smart, high football IQ guys out there who have good instincts. He's one of those guys who can play multiple positions for you other than corner. You can safely say if somebody's taking him in the third round, they see a very specific fit for him in exactly. the defense. Totally agree. Like, we have this whole scenario, and he's the guy who can fill it. Immediacy yep. also. You're trying to get returns from those guys being drafted around there. That's yeah. those oh, are the sure. hacks yeah. into the rookie contracts, though. Those Nowadays, you have to have those guys be ready. So him coming in and sort of on the front end, like you were saying, talking to these teams yeah. and making sure, like, well, you know, if I do land here and you don't see it this way, there could be just some type of disagreement on how I'm being used to my strengths, which is just just a good thing on the front end because you want to go and make yourself fit and you want to do best for the team. Yeah. And even though that may be an obscure thing or something you don't see happen on the front end by who's called just some undrafted or some rookie right now coming in, doing that's actually really smart. I mean, if, yeah. Rod, if, you're taking, if you're taking in the top 100 picks, that's a team that's planning on you coming in and yeah. I mean, you're probably a, a featured sub-package guy. But you know what? That doesn't surprise me. Last year, if he'd have left early, I think people were talking yep. about him being mm-hmm. drafted in the Third. first three rounds. He was one of the you first I mean? big recruits when you're like, oh, yeah. we got another good He was safety. a five-star, wasn't he? Yeah. Well, yeah. no. Was he? he was a borderline okay. guy. Some, some services he might have been for us. Okay. He was a, in, the, yeah. in the composite, he was a high four. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I remember when they were talking about him leaving early that potentially he could be a guy drafted still in the first three rounds. I don't remember if he ever submitted his name and got – um, any, you know, I don't know if he got he information did. from the advisory board. As far as I remember, he Maybe did, and the, gra- and the grade was to go back to school. It was probably a third-round grade anyway. Yeah. So, we shouldn't be surprised. Uh, a guy who had grades seemingly one time a lot higher than third round was Colin Johnson. We talked a lot about Colin Johnson's combine yeah. last week, but Rod, he does the bench press, and that's it. Can't do on-field drills because yeah. of the hip flexor issue. So, when you look at this wide receiver class, and this kind of bleeds into any conversation you would have about Devin Duvernay. Mm. Coming out of the combine, now you're hearing, okay, he might go now in the top 10 if he's the first wide receiver off the board, which mm. then means C.D. Lamb, Lamb might go in that 9 to top, 12 top range, 15, yeah. which then is going to push Henry Ruggs probably into the top 15. If you're Devin mm. Duvernay, and maybe if you're Colin Johnson, that's what you want to hear yeah. because that means, like we talked about last week, if those guys go that early, mm-hmm. that means that run. And then Justin Jefferson going to the combine, run a four three nine. Yeah. Now he's in the first round. If you're one of those guys where teams are going to say, okay, we'll wait and get a wide receiver later, and teams are always going to draft receivers, mm-hmm. you want that first run on wide receivers to start as early as possible. Totally agree. I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, if you're Colin Johnson, it's got to be frustrating because he really can't control any of that. You're right. That's just a hope and a prayer, right, that hopefully some team reaches on a wide receiver. Also, it could go the other way where everybody goes, tons of wide receivers out there. I'm just going to take 
I'm gonna you know the, I'm gonna take the most valuable, yeah. which is in this draft what is the least available. What is what the what are the rare positions right now at wide receiver? Like we said, it's so damn deep. We talking about Colin Johnson potentially going undrafted. That's I mean, how deep it is at wide receiver. 11, and if the you know difference I mean? say between twelve and thirty isn't as much, exactly. That's what you're talking. Yeah, about. Yeah, then you're talking about teams going no, no, no. We'll just wait on a wide receiver because I know we're gonna find a good one. We got so many good ones on yeah, our board. Outside of the we'll top find five or ten, but we, what we uh, don't have are a lot of good pass rushers or a lot of good you know whatever very, Whatever there's a finite yeah, yeah. small amount of the other exactly positions. it's yeah no question so I think that's what he can't control what he what he the only thing he really can control is that forty right now and I hate to put everything on that damn forty because ultimately it's you know just because you're fast doesn't mean you're necessarily good at football it's just another one of your skills a repertoire mm-hmm. just because you're well endowed does not mean you're a good lover mm-hmm. you know what I mean <laughs> you got to be attentive you gotta you know sometimes you got to take it slow sometimes you got to go fast like all these different things you know what I mean you got to be um, unselfish like a lot of different things make you a good lover uh, being well endowed helps it helps helps to be really fast helps to be hey it helps but it doesn't necessarily make or break you know yeah. what I mean your football uh, overall skill set and especially for wide receivers so it's about whether he's a good route runner or not but I think ultimately he'll make NFL rosters or he's got a shot to but he's got to run a 40 and he can't run it in four sevens no. basically the only thing we he saw can that do last year is in a four sevens. he can run in the four sixes he really can I mean I know it sounds crazy now he still might not get drafted but still teams won't take him off the board he runs a four seven some teams will take him clean off their board mm-hmm. like he won't like oh and I'm telling you if I was a GM you run a four seven as wide receiver I'm taking you off my board I'm sorry. Like, I'm getting four no, six, four six something. Okay, you know what? Let me go back and look at the film if I really like him. You run a four seven, you're off my board. I'm sorry. I don't believe as a wide receiver in the NFL. You have to you be the best route runner in the history yeah. of the world. You Steve you have freaking Lodge. You know what I mean? I don't think you Steve. Yeah, you're, you're talking about the guy who runs what? Wasn't he four, 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 four That's why he's going to yeah. the top ten. He's a great route runner. You're right. But my point is, yeah, four seven. That's why the little Jordan Humphrey thing was like, oh, man, I can't even have him on my board. Like half the teams yeah. have to take him clean off their board it's when they saw Saints, that time. Saints, who could maybe yeah. understand they have a niche role that they can use him in. Exactly. Exactly. And he is, he is one of those guys you can do that and with that's in what the modern Colin day is. He does have that one value being the type of frame that in the goal line mm-hmm. store, but they need him to really put on some weight in le- if he's going to be a guy that's any type of multiple as an NFL receiver. Yeah, he's, he needs to run a 4-5, honestly. Yeah. Ideally, yeah. Anywhere in the 4 five, so I think he'd be good. He's golden. Because all, all the combine did was, and we talk, again, we talked about this last week, the big questions for him now are becoming the medicals, yep. and you're at the combine and you can't work out because you got a hip flexor. Those are the Fair, things that hurt. Fair or not, yep. fair or not, Rod. Now that's the perception teams have of him. It's all people. Yeah, it's all they. Oh, they're like, oh man, he's 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 injury prone. Well, I know, and that may be true or not, but, it, but it's and it's unfair because I, what you the workouts are supposed to force teams to go back to the film. Mm-hmm. Like Devin Duvernay's workout, people are gonna go hey, go back to that film, go check this dude out a little bit more, and that's good for you. And you would hope that Colin Johnson's workout would make them go back to the film because his film is unbelievable. Exactly. Like, ah, he's got a great film. He really does. Senior Bowl, all the reports, oh. you heard him messing everybody. Yeah. So they're on the field. But the thing is measure, measurables and measurables. Medicals. Right now when you're yeah. dealing with that, when it's on paper, it's, those are certain things that if you don't align with what a yeah. team's thought process is, exactly. you might just get the quick, immediate, you're off the board. But fit-wise, it could actually yeah. work down the road. It's just a lot more of a risk. It's not. I mean, th- this is, you know, it's like we're in campaign season, right? Campaigning is different from actually, like, ruling. Not ruling. But, uh, <laughs> <Iron> <laughs> governing. Fist. Governing. Sorry, ruling. <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> maybe that was a Freudian slip. But governing, right? So that you got to campaign to win to get the right to govern, but it's a totally different set yeah. of skills, totally different, you know, uh, mission, all that from campaigning. 
and you know we we, we see that. But yeah. it, it, that's what combining combining and footballing. Yeah, yeah I was gonna make up a word are two totally different things. Like combining, everybody's combining right now. Yeah. Combining it, that does not make you a good football player, but you still gotta you still go gotta through go through the process. Yeah, because they have it in their head that there are certain parts of this process that have you know that that really translate to success. Yes, certain different. And you know what? I'm not against that, but my point is they don't know which they don't know which ones. They, You're they gonna have, have really to become the anomaly ones. if yeah. you don't fit inside there. You aren't yeah. the thing that's most likely. I'll give you like this is kind of what separates Colin Johnson, Riley. Colin Johnson goes to the combine. He's the tallest receiver at legitimately over 6'6", 222, 31 and three-quarters inch arms, nine inch hands. Mm. I'm going to give you the measurables Bro. for this other wide receiver, and then we'll talk about what the difference is. 6'4", 216 pounds, 34 to eight inch arms, nine and a quarter inch hands. Yeah. You know who that second prospect I mentioned was? T. Higgins. There you go. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> No, you're right, man. Uh, and that's he... where forty time and shuttle for short space quickness and but like that's where you would know more than I do, right? Especially like nowadays and knowing somebody like Shanahan, like the ability that's on the scouting level, just going so much more precise these days. A guy like Colin Johnson, who is viewed as a good route runner and those type of things, does that? Do you think can help that in draftability, or mm. is that only thing that's going to help you make the team once you're on the roster because of the coach's niche more than the front office? Depends on what the coach is uh, like. How what his, yeah, like aligned what he you likes, are with Lynch. What, yeah, certain, what he prioritizes. Yeah, you exactly. Know, I mean, Shannon prioritizes that's speed. Why Colin Johnson. Shannon's a speed freak. Mm-hmm. He loves speed. Let's look at all of his running backs like he's obsessed with because you can coach technique and yeah a lot speed of and things. speed and multiplicity are his two big things that's why i mean look at kittle right kittle can play wide receiver play slide receiver play tight end Both play h back play fullback plays everything juice chick can play you know, he plays tailback he mm-hmm. plays fullback plays h back plays tight end plays everything debo samuel wing back plays wide receiver but they use him as a running back basically when they when they use the jet sweep motion and the end in the rounds and all that so he there are two, you can tell two things that he values so mm-hmm. it all depends on your system but his system the speed of the running backs is important because there, there will be a, a hole. There will be there's going to be a gap. You can tra- hit it. Shano's trading up for Duvernay. Then. Yeah, no, no. I think, I think he loves. I think he loves Duvernay. I yeah. think he also Antonio Gibson's another uh, the Memphis uh, wide receiver. He's kind of like that too. But all the uh, things that's why just, they drafted Jalen Hurd. You know, last yeah. year. Yeah, he's the same kind but of. But all player. the things you just said are things that not necessarily. But Colin everybody Jansen has. Yeah, but exactly. everybody else. Some other guy may say, "Oh no, no, for us, he like he's like he's like Tom Herman. Yeah, like oh, I need I need that X." Possession guy on the outside that can catch radius can make these really really amazing catches mm-hmm. and tiptoe and ballet a, a ballet football player on the sideline like he, he sounds like guy. a Ron Rivera to the Redskins yeah guy. no no I'm Colin saying, Johnson some, some guys like that yeah and, and Colin Johnson I feel confident about this he's gonna be on a roster that I I totally agree. Yeah, assume, assuming he's healthy assuming health isn't an issue yeah and he doesn't he tweak something I think but, he makes a roster I brought up the T Higgins thing Rod to say this. You know, all these projections about Colin Johnson going in the first round, I can see where people saw that coming from. But even, like, we saw Colin Johnson following this Texas program and covering it better than a lot of people. And it's like, did you ever really see, like, first-round receiver out of Colin Johnson? Well, I think the projection was that he was going to take that step, right, that that big step that we you had seen enough from to go, ooh, man, he's got a lot of potential. And his precision. And, and the draft is based on that. And he ne- – the truth is he never really took that step because of injury, some of yeah. it. It's only because of the offense, the limitation of the freaking mm-hmm. offense, them not moving him around, not putting him 
in bunch formations, condensed formations, not putting him on the move, all that kind mm. of stuff. Mm. Um, and also the limitation in the route tree. I mean, we could go on and on. Sounds familiar. Like, <laughs> pass, since yeah, when we started, I mean, yeah. but when we started right. this podcast, things we were saying about Marquise Goodwin were things yeah. the way that this tool, we yeah. see these things and yeah. he has flashes so, of top and potential, but it never was put together exactly. while on campus. So it, that's, I think that's what you saw from the mock drafts. If you think about it, if he had taken a, if he had gotten better each year from what we saw in his first yeah. Two or you know, three years, basically, because even he had that good year with Little Jordan Humphrey. So, 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 in that from that standpoint, are we saying the same things about Colin Johnson that we said about Chris Boyd last year? If you put on the right tape, and granted, they're two different guys, but from this standpoint, if you put on the right tape, you could watch tape and see a guy who could be a first round wide receiver. Has that time? Um, you have a body. I, yeah. I think Boyd had more bad film out there. I don't know if Colin Johnson has a lot of bad film. He's he just has. A, he just has the stigma that he's injury prone and that he's slow. More of a finesse and type guy. Yeah, yeah, he's a basically a slow wide receiver. Like he doesn't have speed, doesn't have the, he doesn't have the quick twitch. Mm. You know what I mean? He doesn't that he can't doesn't have any burst. And to, in people's minds, even though they haven't watched the film, they equate that with oh, he can't create separation. He ain't got a burst. You know what I mean? He's a possession wide receiver. He's a big body. He doesn't create separation. He just can make contested catches. And yeah. so he's got to prove right now that he can create separation. I've seen him create separation. We all have. Yes. I mean, he, he, does, he, can get, yeah, he can get in and out of the breaks really quickly, but that's what he's got to prove. And that's why it's going to be good when he goes through the, the, route, the route drills. Uh-huh. I'm telling you, oh my the, God, the route drills be... out here are going to be just, at, at pro day, going to be just as important for him as at 40 because they want to see him burst. They want to go, ooh, man, he looks like he got out of that six route pretty quickly. Okay, you know what? Let's see him run that post. Let me, you know what I mean? Like they, they're like, oh, he's got. So for him, because that, because there's a stigma now about him, and the the combine, a lot of the process is you breaking through a lot of those stereotypes about your skill set. That you know, Rod, be short mm-hmm. up, can't, you can't can't defend deep ball, man. He can't, you know what I mean? Like you're trying to break through some of those stereotypes because they're looking for reasons not to draft you. Well, a scout's job is right. not necessarily to figure out what you do well. Any 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 imbecile can do that. Watching mm-hmm. two minutes of film on somebody, two plays. What they're trying to do is figure out what are the liabilities in your skill set and can they be coached out. And that's what the process is all about. And I, he's going to be the guy at Pro Day, though, it seems like is just made to be a Pro Day sensation I, because he's I the type of that. guy that's the tactician along the sidelines. If you're putting him into a controlled display, like a combine environment, he's the type of guy, when you're talking about Ooh. catching balls, is, like he's going to be – Is going to throw for him? Probably, I'd throw assume for him? so. He can't, I don't no, think. He can't throw in the Pro Day? Did they huh? change those rules? I don't know. I'm just asking. They used to I don't, be I don't that know way. how you yeah, – I don't, I don't know the exact rules. Yeah, of at it. Pro Day, I remember years it's ago they, they had they can't, but throw. I, yeah, like you said, I don't know how it works. But I wonder who was throw for him because now to that point, you're right. Oh, yeah, know. because, I mean, we've seen – he's made catches yeah. that I've never seen players make before. Oh, yeah, he's got On, some, on the outs, yeah. outer – like he extends, in theory, the field no. three yards wider than it actually is. It's really absurd. Because like, <laughs> when you spot a ball, and I've been wondering about this my whole life, like when you spot a ball and a guy's running and runs out of bounds, it's where it visually is out of bounds. When Colin Johnson catches that ball and gets to gain possession, like when he's four yards out of bounds, he gets the extra yardage from catching. It's very bizarre and weird. But just seeing those type of things are the type of plays that'll owe and all you, and at least in a controlled environment that doesn't necessarily translate to the field, at least can get attention to you. I guess what I'm really trying to say with the Colin Johnson thing is the more I think about it, Rod, had he never had those early expectations of being a first-round pick from guys who probably 
Some of them might have just watched that USC game. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, sophomore or year. that Big Twelve title game. When had he had brain. he never had he never had those expectations yeah. that maybe he was never going to reach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even if everything was right, then some of the stuff wouldn't be that big a deal. But now the narrative is going to be, man, you were a first round pick. Now they're talking about you might not even be drafted. Well, and also this this wide receiver draft is just freaking ridiculous. It is. I yeah. mean, it is. I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, it, it, the more that even after the combine, you go, damn, it's deeper than I thought. And it's we, deeper than we all thought. And if the you position watch the workout, so much different than yeah, it was fifteen so years ago. Just, fifteen years ago, he would have been the prototype yeah. that you would like. It's to a have. bad storm for him um, right now. That's all. Because I agree with Matt too. I think now there's a new type of receiver that people are starting to covet, and it's. It's the guy that kind of has multiplicity in their mm-hmm. skill set, and they covered slot receivers more. And yeah. Yeah. not your Roy Williams, and that's what Colin Johnson people looked at and saw as a freshman. But like, that's he why. has the body type to be that's this, true. and that was the type of guy. It's just a different type of game these days. And you're like we saw here at Texas, you're quite niched when you're just playing like an outside receiver. In the would have been game. better if you had a lot more film with him being moved around and yep. in different positions. But, but I you, digress. But this just goes to show you how big of a free, and I think people forget. How much of a freak he was, Rod? What was Roy Williams? Six three? Yes, my dear. Even though I think he was listed at six five. Yeah, in the he was program. Six, three. Yeah, he was like six three. <laughs> yeah, people forget he ran like a ten four in high school, mm-hmm. and was like a and was long, like a 25, 26 foot long jumper. Yeah, it was a long jump. It was like an elite level long jumper. Yeah. No, so you're talking about a dude that big that's that explosive. You just don't. He had burst, and he had he he was twitchy for a big dude. You know, his yeah. gait was like a deer. You know how deer like when they run, like they go for, so much further oh, than their man. body type. Roy, whenever his length would get going, he'd eat up so much space. Sort of like also Vy did those long legged fast yeah. guys that are tall. Yeah. Though, so. Okay, you mentioned two of them. The third one I'll throw in there is Des Bryant. The guys that I've seen play football in person, Vince Young, Roy Williams, Des Bryant. They're three guys you hold your breath whenever they got their hands on a ball in the open field. Yeah, you're in trouble. Yeah. Yeah, you just got to keep them out It's game over. over. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, game, it's game over. over. Even if you're an elite athlete, it's still hard to tackle those dudes in the open field. Yeah. You know, I wish I could pull some of those games I watch out of high school kids trying man. to tackle Des Bryant. <laughs> Dude, I can imagine. He was a grown I still man. Imagine your stories of talking about Malcolm Brown as a tight end taking on two A safeties uh, out in Brenham. Like you're talking about like a little hundred thirty. I mean, Brenham was a four A, but still sophomore I mean, kid taking on Malcolm Brown two eighty five at tight end three hundred coming at you. Yeah, uh, that's, that's yeah. You're right about that. I don't know which one's more intimidating, though. Des with some of these oh, high Des school DBs sure. on the outside, though. Man, he just, I just probably just throwing it, was, it up. It he's just like, fair. it's a rebound. And he's just Deboing, yeah. yeah. punking, fucking DBs out there. I think the craziest Malcolm Brown story, Matt, is Jerry Hamilton went out to, I think it was Malcolm Brown's senior year, the first day they had, because <clears throat> Brenham didn't do under Glenn West, they didn't do spring practice. They just did, they wanted to start two days, you know, when everybody else started. So it's their first camp practice, and they've got a mile run. Malcolm Brown beats everybody in the damn program, skill guys and all, in the mile run <laughs> at 280-something pounds. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. That's that dude, that's like, absurd. Yeah. What, what, what do you do at that point? That you know? absurd. You know what that is, Rod? That's what a first-round NFL defensive tackle looks like. Uh, Yeah. <laughs> they're, free, uh, they're all freaky like that. Yeah, yeah. he almost um, fell out of it. Here is uh, the, here are the reception leaders in the NFL last year in their 40-yard dash times. Michael Thomas was a four five seven. Um, DeAndre Hopkins was a was a four five four. Keenan Allen was a four seven one. He's the only four seven I think. Well, and that was a, a fast time for Thomas because he was criticized for being that was being the only criticism. Of yeah, him. that was kind of how his thing was. Julian Edelman ran a four five two. Julio Jones four three four. 
Allen Robinson, <laughs> four six flat. Cooper Cup, four six two. Robert Woods, four five flat. Tyler Boyd, four five eight. DJ Moore, four four two. So the point is, I mean, it comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. I mean, these guys become precision route runners, and they're savvy route runners, and they've they've figured out how to create separation on their own, even though they don't have elite speed. Most of those guys. I'm not saying that some of them no, don't. He's like don't right need now. It, but he can aspire to be a Michael Thomas. Yeah, like, you that's can. The type of receiver yeah, you can still make is. it work. I'm so I'm not. I'm not trying to be doom and gloom for Colin Johnson. Like he can still make it work. Right. Yeah. The 40 is just going to be key in terms of if he gets drafted. Real quick, Devin Duvernay goes four three nine in the 40. You know all the receivers. I thought he went faster. Drills. And he, I know that's. I know that. That's yeah. how, that's how yeah, lofty how. my expectations were for him. I was like. If he were like, he ran a 4 3 9, I was like, that's all? Yeah. And he ended up saying that too. He said he thought he'd run he faster and he will run, run faster day. at his pro day. Yeah, yeah, probably despite whatever he's yeah. told to do, he's like, no, I'm faster and run that. No, I, I believe he, he believed, I think he was disappointed in his 40, how, yeah. as fast as it was. But I think, Rod, he's, Duvernay's probably solidified himself as a day two guy, right? Uh, yeah, I would think so. There are enough people, there's enough buzz about Duvernay out there now. There's enough buzz. People are now going to the, yeah. you know, they're going to the uh, you know, film and, you know, they're talk, talking about how his relation to Kyler Murray and, oh, yeah. you know, the track times. I mean, there's enough buzz about DuVernay right now that I think he'll, some team's going to take a chance on him. Hell, yes. I, yeah, and I, I, I bet the 49ers are interested. I, I mm-hmm. know they are just based on what Shanahan likes in wide receiver. Strong, sure. strong, he likes strong hands, guys that attack the football, guys with mm-hmm. multiplicity. He's got all that. And he likes speed, and he's got speed. The one thing about Duvernay people are worried about is his, um, I don't know, how, what's the best way to describe it, the flexibility in his hips. It's a little stiff. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like, the, like the, the the bend in the his hips. The flipping of your yeah, hips to change yeah, direction. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Good, but because he's a because he runs like a running back. That's sort of he why does. when we talk about him like running. Stout. But that's what we're sort of yeah. talking about yeah. when we say he runs like a running back. He's just more of that straight it line is. type guy. But the way that receivers are used nowadays really well just with angles when you see guys just being able to watch Cooper Cup and how content he is to just run that angle 15 yards and get an extra few. That yeah. straight ahead speed, the way that Duver has it it's almost as if he doesn't need to change direction once he gets going because he gets that momentum and he takes on the yak and gets and the strong. yards after contact yeah. and and I, go, I think go back to his sophomore year when the coaching change happened like people forget they tried him at that age position that first year mm-hmm. and i remember we all thought okay you think about this power spread offense you think about that age position they're gonna make devin duvernay percy harvin Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. But Duvernay's not built that way. No, he's, he's not. Just, he's not twitchy. He's not as twitchy right. as Percy. Yeah. But the change, the change when they moved him back in 2019 is okay. Stop worrying about what he's not. What is he? What can he do well? And like yeah. Matt said, you give him the, you throw it to him on a bubble or something where all he has to do is stick a foot in the ground and get vertical. Yeah. Now you're talking about a guy, now you're playing it with strengths. Yeah, you're using, you're using him as a downhill runner, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because he's, he's not as quick as he is fast. I think Percy was as, Percy Harvin was as quick as he was fast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean by twitchy. And I don't know if Devin Duvernay is as quick as he no, is fast. No. He is, but he's fat, but he's, he's, he may be as strong as he is fast. He's one way you know quick. I mean? he's so that's quick. different. He it's starts strong. up quick, but he only yeah, goes one way. If you're strong because you're fast, like you said, just get the ball in his hands mm-hmm. and then let him go, get yards after the catch, yards after the contact. That's what he does, and that's what they they figured that out last year. That was that was that was good coaching, actually. Yeah. And you that brought was good up, coaching. You know how much you thought Shanahan would be interested in? It makes total sense. You start talking about. I was like, well, who, what, who does Duvernay remind me of? The running backs he runs like, and then I was like, well, well Debo, very much, and also yeah. though, like seeing what 
happened a decade ago in uh, Denver whenever Selvin Young just sort of came out and ran as a running back in that zone-blocking scheme. But the way DuVernay has the multiplicity to be the type of guy, we saw him get motioned into the back, and all you need is one direction cut inside that type of scheme. So all the end-arounds, everything that he is, that's his skill set actually fits that type of scheme. I agree with you on that. That's a good point. So, real quick to to end the combine talk, Malcolm Roach, we were wondering what it was going to look like at 297 pounds. Malcolm Roach. He goes out there and runs. Rod, he runs 484. That was impressive. At 297. Yep. That is. Yeah, that (laughs) I'll tell you what, though. I think he actually made himself some money. Still don't know exactly how I got to look at the D-line draft and how deep it is. I'll tell you this. He made NFL.com's all-combine team. There you go. They put him on there as a 3-4 defensive end. And I just think this is interesting. Hmm. Best team fits. Carolina Panthers, Detroit Lions, Arizona Cardinals. Detroit Lions, Matt Patricia, mm-hmm. Bill Belichick tree, you value versatility mm-hmm. in your defensive line. Carolina Panthers, Matt Rule. Matt Rule. Saw a lot of Malcolm Roach in the Big 12. Yep. Cliff Kingsbury. Saw a lot of Malcolm Roach in the Big 12. Mm-hmm. No, I like that. No, I'm with you on that. I, I thought he was really impressive. I carried that 297 like that. And I'm not surprised because even here he fluctuated – weights and change positions, you know, almost annually. You'd hear about Malcolm Roach working out at another position in the spring or something like that. Guy played inside linebacker, outside linebacker, defensive end, D-tackle. So I think that, number one, is going to help him because I think if they can see him as, what I say, a defensive end in the 3-4, mm-hmm. that means you can see him, as a, def- that means you can see him as a defensive tackle in the 4-3. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? So that means, and most teams are multiple. Well, most teams, I would say, at least half the teams in the NFL are multiple in a way. They end up with three man fronts and four man fronts. Man, just having a guy that can play a number of different positions on either one of those fronts. Mm-hmm. I mean, he may end up making himself some NFL money just because of his versatility, which can manufacture depth. Exactly. And I didn't expect him to carry that. I didn't know he was that fast straight away. I mean, that that means you might be able to cover. Tight ends potentially and running backs out <laughs> yeah. of backfield. That's what, crazy. Was like Gronk speed almost? Yes, four eight five. I was shocked that he ran that fast. I I, I heard I heard that he may not have has. What's the strength? What's the bench rep? The bench 20. press twenty. So I think that was the concern is that he may not have added enough strength with all the weight. But I think that can come too. Obviously, he just packed that on for the combine, basically knowing what people were projecting him as. Thirty inch vertical won't hurt either. That was like, he's, a, he's a hell of an athlete carrying all that weight. It's, it's like a man, fast, springy fella. Yeah, we can just add, you know, add he's some legitimate type strength that seems to him. To have added so much muscle yeah. throughout his tenure, dude. Though, like, you got some strength to that. That's, the that's impressive. If you're drafting a guy in the sixth, seventh round, or you're taking him as a priority free agent, he's probably a practice squad project guy for you, anyway. No, I totally agree with that. Yeah. So why Just not? Give him a year to get his grown man NFL body and strength. Uh, according to NFL.com, per next-gen stats, Malcolm Roach had the third-best athleticism score among edge defenders. I have no idea what the hell that means, but sounds good. So yeah. two, two These days up. in the analytical world, they got some They got some analytical geek in there with them uh, in their draft war room helping them break stuff down and Trust me, that's a random stat like that that he's dropping in the ear of the assistant general manager. He's like, you know what? You know he's got the third overall athletic score behind these two guys, and they were they were day they were first day guys. You know what I mean? Like yep. that these days that those analytics, athletes, those ana- yeah, those analytics help you, man. Analytics help, mm-hmm. is helping a lot of guys get drafted high. It really is a pro football focus, man. When they key in on you and they you know they start putting you your projections up against this player and yards after the catch and all mm-hmm. this kind of stuff, like it really does. It simplifies 
the picture for a lot of scouts. I've and, heard the PFF guys talk about that stuff's even coming up in contract negotiations. Yeah, dude, of course it is. Yep. If, if you're comparing me to some NFL All-Pro and basically I'm paid like a scrub, uh, yeah, please, <clears throat> we need some agent, more incentive Agent, for me. do your job for yeah. me, agent. Uh, it's, it's, it really is. It's helping them out. So, yeah, that's that. Ma- I don't know what it means, but I know it matters. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so apparently, and next-gen stats is with the NFL. Apparently, the athleticism score, how athletic is a player based on measurable drills at the NFL Combine. Yeah. So that's taking everything into account. Yeah. Yep. And those and next-gen that, stats are pretty good. Like you, It's pretty impressive when you like play around on their site yeah. and just to see what you can look at that were almost visions of your mind when you talked about things that weren't trackable that they have found people to be able to track these yeah. things. Amen. So, all right, I think any you guys have any parting shots, any final thoughts on the Combine draft, anything? Um, as we gear toward Pro Day, which I believe is going to be April 1st. No, I will say this. The, uh, just talking random draft. Yeah, April real 1st quick, will be Pro Day, um, for which just actually like, is five weeks, one, two, three, four weeks from today. One of the things that I learned about the draft is a great trend, and I'm sure it's a trend that's been out there for a while. Uh, the, the the article I read said 46 of the 261 participants in the NFL Combine were asked to work out in multiple positions, and I think the truth of the the, the truth of it is the future of football is positionless football. I, like I, Isaiah Simmons right now is making people yep. nervous because they was like I don't know to put him at a linebacker or a safety. He don't put him at either. Hmm. It just, it's just like in college recruiting where they have an athlete they just bring now he's an athlete we just bring yep. him in. They basically start doing that on the offensive side of the ball and defensive side of the ball in the NFL when you have guys like Isaiah Simmons. You just bring that guy into your defense, and then you start playing positionless football. I heard Matt Rule talking about the other day, and Mike Mayock said, oh, yeah, the future of football is going to be basically for skill positions on either side, positionless football. They asked Clyde Edwards-Hillel to work out at wide receiver. Hell, Bill Belichick missed uh, the last day of the combine because he was at Middle Tennessee Watching some outside hybrid linebacker slash defensive oh, end. Oh, that's Belichick. You know what I mean? I love that. Like, what the hell? Like, all of them we are hurting over there. Yeah. Can have a monopoly on you know the few. Nobody but, else is talking about my guy. But the reason I'll bring it home to Texas, because I know we got other stuff we want to get to before we close out the podcast, is the future of football is positionless football. It is the Debo Samuels, the wing backs. You want the guys with multiple. Tyreek Hill was kind of one of those guys for Kansas City. Every team's got one of those guys. They got a running back with wide or a wide receiver with running back tendencies. We've been thinking about that, the tight end position like that for years, for uh-huh. decades. Just give me a damn good athlete. I'm a motive in that. Now, and I heard you talking about it, Jeff, and you've done some research on it. The linebacker position is starting to become that. Like, no, no, no. Let me just find a freaky, freaky, freaking athlete, and I'll just put him at linebacker, and I'll use his instincts and his IQ, and he'll figure it out. And you're starting to see that in the Big 12 play especially. So for Texas – the future of football is on the 40 acres in terms of those guys, those wide receivers with running back tendencies or vice versa. Jordan Whittington, Jake Smith. You know what I mean? You got two of the best in the country who are considered to be. Throw, throw Bijan Robinson into that mix, too. Throw Bijan Robinson, guys with multiplicity in their skill yep. set that turn that basically turn your offense into a multiple offense from down to down and within the down. Shanahan mm-hmm. has figured out. He's got three of them. He's got Juice Check, he's got Kittle, and he's got Debo Samuel. All three of those guys, you never know what position they're going to be playing mm-hmm. at any given time. And if you do send out personnel to defend it, Shano will switch it up, motion somebody, and then, oh, I was just defending 11 that turns into 21. And- what the hell? 
Any, you know what I mean? Like, that's the future of football. It's just chess with people. And these guys, they are the ultimate piece on that chessboard because right. they get, they basically present a a, 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 a a mathematical conundrum to the defense. And even vice versa, yep. when you have an Isaiah Simmons on defense mm-hmm. for your opponent, it basically turn your offense or your defense into a Rubik's Cube where you have all these different combinations you can always mm-hmm. use. That's why Brent Venables, the 317 that he had with Isaiah Simmons, man, it could always become something else. It was a 317 yep. that could become yeah, four down a 326. Yeah. Never know because I got this one guy that can play every position on the football field and you don't know what position he's going to play. And when you think you know, you don't because he's a real freak and I can take him from the D-line all the way back to play safety and he can actually do it. You know what I mean? Like these guys, Derwin James in the NFL, Jamal yep. Adams in the NFL, Honey Badger in the NFL, all these guys are playing kind of the, a very similar role and everybody's got their one. And even the Cowboys aren't behind us. They call Tony Pollard the web back. But it's the same thing. Smart backs, air backs. So my point is, the right here on the 40 acres, you got DeMarvio on overshow and on defense. You got Joseph Asai on defense. Both of those guys are multiple in almost every way. Joseph Asai could be a DN. He could be a line. I mean, you can put him in multiple spots on that defensive front. Same thing with DeMarvio and Overshone. And I think B.J. Foster's another one. You've got like that's five or six different of, guys, yeah. right? So my point is, that's the future of football. It's coming. I guarantee you in 10 years, everybody's going to be talking about it. Right now, they call them position flex. That's the new term. It was hybrids. That's, and I, I call multiplicity. But remember, they used to call them tweeners. Now, the yep. difference, difference between a, a prostitute is, is she a hooker, is she a call girl, or is she an escort, right? Mm-hmm. Escorts are paid for their time, and that's the top dollar. Not that I would know. The hookers are the ones that walk the street. All right, they're the throwaways. That's what that's what a tweener used to be, right? He's a tweener. We don't know what the hell to do with him. Yep. Ah, we may find something for him. He's a tweener. Now he's like, no, no, no. He's a hybrid. Why? Yeah, because there's value PJ now. Tucker. Yeah, now there's value attached. Exactly. Exactly. PJ Tucker now. Now we found a place he for him. He's a hybrid. Greece in yeah. Israel. Now he's a position flex. So now they're at they're putting value on that skill set and that 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 versatility. And I guarantee you, Texas probably has as many as anybody in the country when you start looking at them both on defense and offense. Yeah. Just throwing it out. There. And that's a perfect thing that in addition to what you're talking about and why it's great value. It also makes your roster become a math problem exactly. because you're only you're only allowed fifty two men, or you can have a certain Amen, amount of active ready too. Amen. So, but now if Isaiah Simmons, in theory, and he understands it's a strength, he doesn't view not being a starter at some position as something that is a bad label, which was viewed for a long time. Mm-hmm. It took like in the NBA, people like Ginobili's, and to actually be a star that would be willing to come off the bench and be this platoonish type player to where you're maybe labeled differently than you were before, but if you are Simmons, you're on that team, and you know that you can be a guy that would they can have you yeah, your niche player that's a linebacker or your safety. I mean, we don't have to worry about what he is, but he can back up that, that, and that. So that's three roster spots yep. that you don't have to have a backup linebacker, backup safety. You know that totally you can agree. allocate his snaps and his minutes. And if you have multiple players like this, when an injury goes down, how it affects one team. Well, man, if you have one specific guy that goes down, we have to insert said not as mm-hmm. good player admittedly not as good because he's the backup instead of that you get to just move around and it's what you call the opportunity cost of your entire roster when you do it on the field with those 11 but then when you go and say you have 10 guys that can play multiple positions and then two or three that can play three or four positions in theory you can survive 10 injuries when you other could. teams can't I and you can that. drop down from having your active list that in theory well we still have uh, two two deep and we're carrying 44 for these 33 actual spots or whatever. Yeah. I agree. To keep this conversation going toward Texas, and I like where you guys took this, Matt, for for you and I, where this correlates to, 
Rod talked about it from the NFL standpoint. For Texas, this is how you control your bust rate. This is a really good way to mm-hmm. do it. When you recruit guys, and, and take a look at what's going to happen this spring. We already heard about Malcolm Malcolm Epps getting some run at tight mm-hmm. end. There's a report out that he might get a look, maybe it, maybe some Jack linebacker, just to see what it looks like. Yeah, I, did I hear that about a tight end too? Reese Lato, Reese Lato's going to get a look yeah, on defense, heard, did, see what I it did, looks did, like. Yeah, I did hear that. And this is a way, it's not, and, and I think this is one. where. David Bender was the running back last year. Exactly. Back. In recruiting, I think you can get kind of two tunnel vision yeah. sometimes saying, okay, Rojo. this guy is the future at, at position X, but now he's at position Z, and well, that doesn't make sense. That. So he's a maybe he's a failure. No, 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 no. If you're recruiting the right kind of athletes, yeah. you're recruiting guys with some, with some versatility to them. Now you're talking about it doesn't matter how it happens. If you can maximize as many scholarships as possible, you minimize your bus rate. That's how you have a healthy roster and a championship roster. And totally death and survive That's a injuries. great point. And he's doing that, too. You, yeah. it, you don't, we don't talk about those stories but because not all of them are meant to be you know, the, the success story where, you know, Rojo almost becomes a story and running back at times. Like, mm-hmm. no, you're just trying to keep that guy from getting into the bust category. Yes. Because yeah. that's what's going to drag down your recruiting class. If he becomes a bust, a yep. wasted scholarship, then you're dragging down your recruiting class. If you can just turn him into a contributor yep. instead of just a bust, oh, then you, as we know, that could, it could end up being the key to a successful recruiting class. And here's where the Reese Lato thing helps you. Like, let's say Reese Lato, try Reese Lato out on the D-line. And let's say it works. Yeah. Let's say maybe he's not pushing anybody for a starter job. They say, you know what? He can turn into a guy that can give you, I don't know, he's in three two, to five good snaps he's in the a two, game. Too deep, maybe. Yeah. That's a that's a early entry JUCO guy. You don't have to go get. That's a guy you don't have to go get out of the portal. That's you save that scholarship. And not only that, you get deeper on it. You got another guy still invested. You know what I mean? Let's be honest. You know when mm-hmm. when guys know they're no longer they're recruited over or they no longer have a spot. It's their to career to that point. It's their yeah, life. Yeah, they have a. I'm sure, and I I didn't go through, but I I, I remember watching guys and yeah. become less invested. Not they're not that they're totally you know um, just giving up on the cause, but they're less invested. Yeah, you because, don't go to Texas thinking you're gonna yeah, not maybe fail or exactly. lose your spot and maybe not have your yeah. dreams. Complete. But they're not listed on succeed. the depth chart anymore. Yeah. So, I got to tell you, it probably hurts yeah. your pride, and I. I don't know if a lot of guys have that intrinsic motivation to go, no, 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 you know what? Yep. I, my mission is to get on that depth chart and be a starter. I'm going to show them. You know, sometimes after two years, guys go, I guess I'm just a student athlete now and I'm cool with that. And you or don't want that. Or just transfer portal you and want, find another spot. Yeah, or they want to transfer. Now, nowadays, even nowadays, more so. a good point about that. Yeah, so either way, you want them fully invested. That's a way to keep a guy invested. Yep. Every, and need, the team needs It you helps here. you and him. Yeah, amen. I, I'll tell you kind of the perfect guy, and he played in a, a really forgettable era of football. Every program needs a guy like Alex Delatore. Yep. You think about Alex Delatore. He came to Texas as a linebacker out of Denton Ryan. Linebacker clearly didn't work out. Yeah. They moved him to fullback, which Rod – if you're getting moved to fullback more man. often than not, tough life. that's kind of you're like on the island of misfit toys. Like, ah, we just put you over here. <laughs> that's a tough. But you know what, Alex? A lot Alex of special teams. Alex Delatore took that and said, "You Thrived know what? I want to be the best yeah. damn fullback I can be." Yeah, he took pride. And in he it. ends up being a second team All Big Twelve guy. Yeah, no, was like he took pride in it. And you know, and I agree with you because they're not all. And that's actually that's a success story, in my opinion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be you know oh, yeah. even on the All Big Twelve, you know, I remember a guy like OJ McClintock, who we talk about him all the time. He was mm-hmm. similar. They threw OJ in a lot of different roles, and you know, unfortunately, he, he was never able to get a home somewhere, and I think kind of cultivate his craft at one specific spot. He was a hell of a freaking athlete, one of the best athletes, honestly, that I've, I've, I've I think I've ever been around on a football field. 
but it kept him invested. Like they moved him around and he was always, you know, he was always trying to win a spot at a different position. So, and he was, like I said, I don't, I don't know if you consider that a success story. I don't know if he ever actually started at, at any one position. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? But getting to your point about trying to maximize talent, like if it ain't working here, he's too good of an athlete, man. We recruited the right guy. Let's see if he can work here. And he did. He was so good of an athlete, they moved him to linebacker and to wide receiver and to tight end and to DN. And he was able to play at all of them, and his body shifted. And, 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 it's and, the craziest thing it about It is crazy, and, but yet – you know, I think, he, you know, he didn't make all Big 12 or anything. And like I said, wasn't a starter, but it ended up being a really, really good way to keep him invested. And he, you know, ended up being one of the key, like, glue guys, locker room guys on our well, team. More, Everybody more recent times, guys. more recent times, DeMarco Cobbs is exactly the kind of guy you're talking about. Or Chris okay, yeah. Whaley. Recruit DeMarco Cobbs. Success no. story, though. Rod's talking about O.J. McClinton, like, DeMarco Cobbs is that kind of guy, like, recruited as a wide receiver, yeah. come in, you move him to running back, Outgoing. then you move him to safety, yeah. mm-hmm. and then he's an inside linebacker, and then he's an outside linebacker, and then... Amazing athlete too. Yeah, Amazing. and and then you know what? He just decided he was going to make the most of it. Charlie Strong decided he needed him at at one of those inside linebacker spots, and ends up leaving Texas with two degrees. And guys on that team in that locker room loved the guy. Loved him. And I think in today's football, those guys stand a better chance because he was kind of hybrid. He was a hybrid defender, basically. Yeah, and I, I still talked to DeMarco. You know, I was yeah. like, man, you, you came on about five years, He's about a, five years too early. Amen. Yeah, he totally could have been one of those hybrid backers. He could have been one of those hybrid you know, guys. You know what's funny, though? I ran like a 10-5 or something. But you right? know what he and I talk about? He and I talk about it a lot. He's like, you know, like Muschamp's plan with him because Muschamp recruited mm-hmm. him. Muschamp wanted him to be like Quentin Groves, one of those undersized yep. like edge mm-hmm. guys. Yeah. Yeah, so mm-hmm. DeMarco oh, no, and I talk about that. He's like, man, a must champ would have stayed. I, I might have been a beast. Yeah, see, that's mm-hmm. the thing. You th- these guys almost these, these hybrid players. They they're they're a muse, right? They're just something that inspires mm-hmm. creativity. And if you're a really good, imaginative, creative defensive coordinator or offensive coordinator, you look at these guys and you. That's why I think Tom Herman was salivating over Jordan Whittington. You look at these guys and they just make you want to draw a place. Mm-hmm. Like, Jake Smith too. You know what I mean? Yeah, you look at these. Oh, oh my God. This guy can go for wide receiver to running back. Oh, I got a great play. Like they, they'll bring out the creativity in you, and that's what I think. That's what uh, you know. Cobb wanted from from Muschamp. I don't know if he got that after Muschamp left. Not that's what really. you want when you're a hybrid defender. You want somebody to go. No, no, no. I got a place for you. And that's why I hope Isaiah Simmons goes to Matt Rule with Carolina or Matt Patricia with Detroit. You know what I mean? Like that guy, a freak. I want him in the right system. And those are the type of guys, like, not only did it help you, say, with your defense and being multiple there or, say, schematically, but it also the ability, inability for the other teams to use the substitution against you because exactly. you can go to where you can win on all three levels, that it, it maximizes your roster, it helps your defense and fills whatever holes you get, and then whenever your defense's weakness is trying to be manipulated – it really can't because he can shift into what you yeah. need him to be. That my hope is Rod with Chris Ash and, and to say Chris Ash is a more conventional defensive coordinator than Todd Orlando probably isn't accurate, but I'm I'm just trying to find mm-hmm. the, the right word to use because I know Orlando tried it with like the Cowboy package and the Cowboy package did. worked early, and I don't know if guys were ever healthy enough for us to yeah. really see what that package could become. But that's kind of the hope that Chris Ash looks at Demarion Overshone and B.J. Foster, yeah. and even a guy like Chris Brown, a guy like Tyler Owens, and figures, okay. Tyler Owens is one of those guys, too. And figures, okay, and, and sells those guys on, look, like, forget that you're playing the role of linebacker on this play, because the next play you might be 
a middle field safety. You're the next the next play you might be on the hash. Amen. I don't know, but we need you on the field to win ball games. That's what that's what that's essentially it's essentially all Chris Ash has to sell those guys on. I agree. We need you on the field if we're going to win football games. Yeah, yeah, and I forgot about Tyler Owens. He's one of those freaks. He like six, yeah, six three guy that ran ten three in high school. Yeah, yeah. So you got some of these guys in the pipeline. Yeah, you can almost start visualizing, you know, those types of uh, positions, you know, within your defensive structure already. So I, I think Chris Ash is a pro- good problem solver. I love the. Uh, the story about him, you know, coming up with the rug, not coming up with, but actually introducing the rugby style tackling idea to to Urban Meyer. Love that. That means he's a problem solver. In terms of creativity, you know, I, I think that it'll be hard for him not to look at this group of defensive backs <laughs> and how versatile all of them are and go, man, we might have. Because I think it's what even Todd Orlando, he came up with that cowboy and the lightning package. Well, he stole the lightning package from Iowa State. But yeah. still. Um, you Smart. know, what I mean? like, we need to do yeah, that. no, no, More please, steal STP, steal yes. that play, go get steal the good that play. I, I all love stealing plays and concepts. Go steal all. They're of not them. proprietary <laughs> yeah, exactly. things. Yeah, you, hey, once nothing. you use it, I can use what it. it? I, love, I love what. You know, probably tried to patent. <laughs> I love what. Trademark. He can use my play. I love what Crystal Conte calls it. He calls it R and D rip off and duplicate. Right. Hey, hey, man, brother, I'm telling you, R and D and R and D, R and D. So I think for Chris Ash, he'll look at those guys, and I think he'll try to find them the place with you just just sell the young man on man we just have we just gonna have the best most athletic defense in the country period and we just need the best athletes on it yeah now put great athletes all over this damn thing yeah but i will see i mean they got enough of those types of guys i know we kind of get big picture here on the show but it's worth mentioning because the game is changing and rapid coaches need to change with it players need to change with it And, and i think the the teams, the programs at levels of football that wrap their heads around it and figure out, okay, get a hold of, here's what this is, here's how I can make the most of it, those are the guys that are going to succeed and be ahead of the curve. No, I totally agree. I mean, how many times have we wasted, you know, I, I, I call them the 30-40 club here on the 40 Acres, at least 30, 30 rushes and 40 receptions in the season. Last time it happened on the 40 Acres was 2008, Chris Obanaya, before that, 1988, Eric Metcalf. But in between then, how many of those guys were underutilized, right? The, uh-huh. the Dajay Johnsons and the— Marquis Goodwin. The Marquis Goodwin, the DJ Monroes, mm-hmm. and you know what I mean? Like, so, hell, Ramon Taylor, that's not anybody's fault. But Ramon's probably—but still, you get yeah. my point. Like, those guys went underutilized, and they, they were those guys. They were— that was DJ Monroe. That was you know that mm-hmm. was Dajay Johnson. He was and it, we couldn't they couldn't even find a really a, a role and a place for him. It's like no, those guys actually were supposed to be the secret sauce <laughs> to the offense. Yeah. And Texas never really found the creativity to use them. And the main thing that were a big thing to add to that is when you look at just these coaches and the ability to embrace the youth because you've talked about the spread babies that have been around and that we've seen. A whole generation of kids mm-hmm. now for 20 years going on have been running the spread to yep. certain sorts across the state. But what did we hear like recently is like actually hearing that coaches are like, hey, what are you comfortable with? What do you like to run? Is a lot of the yep. keys that you hear from, say, at the top of the level with Clint Kingsbury or even with Shanahan with what he had been able to come up through with. But it's a key to J- Joe Brady and Joe Burrow, supposedly, those conversations where it's also Joe Brady's almost a kid that came up as a spread baby. He's so young. Too. He's like yeah. 30. So, like, just the ability that, like, if you're coaching in college, you actually may be able to tap into an untapped resource that these kids – 
understand the complexities of stuff that you maybe not explain as well or articulate back and forth amongst one another, but it's ingrained in their football minds and the type of things that mm-hmm. they really, I bet, do have something that you could find in certain staffs that are able to learn too and then build upon the strengths. And it only makes sense. I mean, what do you do in the first day of college? You tell them what your strengths are, weaknesses. It's all the things you do in any class or whatever. And that's the type of things that those coaches really could grow on. We got a little bit of time left on the show this week. So I want to get to this topic of third year guys. And maybe we have to carry some of this over to next week, but we'll get into this and see kind of what we unearth. But Rod, this kind of bleeds into the news that we haven't talked about with Joshua Moore. You know, his legal situation looks like it's been resolved, and you know, he we knew he was going to be available for spring anyway. But it looks like he's going to be able to play in games. Uh, we know Kennedy Lewis won't be on campus for spring ball, so the, that wide receiver room it's yeah. going to be it's going to be interesting because it's a, a, lot like of talking about, a lot of lot of talent, yeah. not a lot of experience, not a lot creates of a, commodities, creates a lot of uncertainty. Yeah. And, you know, I always really like looking at guys going into the spring in their third year because really, like we talked about, unless you're going to be John Harris or something like that where it's you're going to catch lightning in a bottle, if you haven't shown anything by the end of the, you know, spring going into your third year, it's probably not going to happen for you. And you look at the receivers, Joshua Moore is one of those guys that's shown flashes here and there mm-hmm. but haven't seen it consistently Well, he was suspended all year last year. Uh, Alvante Woodard's a guy we haven't hardly seen anything from. Rod, any of the guys in in their third year outside, like we're not talking about like Cade Stearns or Joseph Osai or Jalen Green, like guys that you know can play and you know what their roles are. Any of those third-year guys that you feel like, all right, it's time for – for you to really step up, can you want me to run the names down and make it a little bit yeah. easier? Yeah, you're, okay, you're talking about guys who are not starters and guys who have not been significant contributors as of yet. Yeah. Okay, give me the names. Uh, you want to put Demarvin Overshone in that category or no? No, I think the, he's been good. In I think purchase. everybody's yeah, everybody's looking forward to Demarvin Overshone because he's played a lot early on. Like and he would have played more if it wasn't the deepest position yeah. where he it wasn't necessarily his lack of play, but okay. there are really good yeah. guys ahead of him, which is different in certain situations when right. they're backup. So you got Josh Moore. Yeah. Can't put Coburn in there, can't put Angulo in there, not Ingram, not Osai. Sorry. The, the, the 2018 class was really good, and there's a lot of yeah. great competitors. Exactly. Good, good that contributors already, in that, yeah. That's, that's, good contributors yeah. in that class. That's like your core. Okay, so you got Joseph Osai. I mean, sorry, uh, Joshua Moore. Josh Moore. Malcolm Epps. Ooh. Casey Thompson. Mm-hmm. Not yet. You don't need anything from him. Reese Moore on the offensive line. Mm. Rafidi Gramai on the offensive line. Gonna need the line. Yeah, I was gonna say maybe the O line might be the spot here. Where you need those guys to step Moro up. Moro Ojimo on the defensive line. I've seen some flashes from Ojimo. Byron Vaughn's at outside linebacker. With that new was that Jack position yeah. of land? Yeah, he might be a it might be big. Yeah, I mean, He's, Ojimo with the va- losing what we've lost on the D line. Yeah. That may be the most one impactful one if he is really good because you've already seen flashes and then now you're losing a guy that's been there for four years. Yeah. Like, that could be a big no, way that to fill that gap. Going to more of a four man front too, let's not forget, like you're gonna need bodies there. Yeah, yeah that's no, a no, big no. one. That's a big one. Actually, I like that. But he's that. looked good too in his limited snaps. And Vaughn's is kind of blocked by Osai, but still, I mean Yeah. You've seen enough of him covering kicks to at least kind of figure out, okay, visually this is what it looks like. Daniel Carson on the D-line. Daniel Carson. That's a good one. Yeah. And Christian Jones. Okay. 
Maybe the O line, the D line. To me, maybe that's the, the, yeah. the lines of scrimmage is where you can get the biggest boost from a third year guy stepping up. Like to me, the two guys are Christian Jones and Rafiti Gramai. Okay, yeah, no, I agree with you on that. Because Christian, gosh, Rob, we're talking about Christian Jones or Sugar Bowl practices. Uh-huh. Hearing the buzz about him and how good he looked. Now. Like Andrew Thomas is about to go what in like probably the top fifteen or so picks, top twenty picks in the draft, mm. and going into that Sugar Bowl. Christian Jones was was Andrew Thomas on the scout team, <laughs> and like I remember, go walking on walking into the Superdome for practice, and looking at the old line and seeing somebody in a black jersey, being like, "Who the hell is that guy?" <laughs> like, oh, that's, Chris, that's Christian Jones. Him. Like his body had changed since grown he got body. on campus. Hell yeah, yeah. That's a grown man body, man. So Christian Jones is one of those guys, and like I think if you can get him to a point where he can be one of your if he can, if he can get to a point where maybe he can be your number three tackle or maybe your second best tackle in the program, yeah. even if he's not starting, you need Christian Jones to either take the step to where he's either pushing for a starting job now or you feel comfortable yeah. sliding him in there if Cosme goes pro after yeah. this year. He should be what you like to call the talented de- part of the talented depth at, yeah. at that position. I totally agree with that. Like you, Christian Jones should be a guy, and what we mean by talented depth. Christian Jones should be a guy that you look at and say, man, that guy's starting at damn near every other school in the Big 12. Yeah. But they're so deep right now up front, he, he don't have a he doesn't sort have of like yeah, it's how, exactly what you said about Overshone. Yeah, yeah that's exactly right. It's like, no, he's, he can start yeah. anyway. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. And then Grimai, look, like, we know offensive line is a rough and tumble position, and a lot of it comes down to luck. Some years you're great with injuries. Some years you're just decimated at that position. And Grimaldi, like, no like DB, Nobody. well, like DB this year, yeah. DB position was just brutal. And Rafiti Grimaldi is one of those guys that, man, I, I think. Do we all feel good about Derek Kerstetter taking over at center? I do. Yeah, I think I'm That's actually good. thrilled about it. Okay, you need a guy if something like like Kerstetter was your if something happens to Shackelford insert here. Mm-hmm. Grimaldi needs to become if something happens to Kerstetter insert here. Yeah, you got to have a backup center. We yeah. learned that in what 2014 totally or whatever. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> Like he's got to take a step. Yeah, that can that can totally decimate your O line. That if you don't, the left tackle yeah. and the center that can sidetrack your offense, anchors. Rob. Yeah, it really it can change your offense yeah. totally. Like it you really have to start have to change Charlie the Strong offense. Era yeah. very well. If you're weak right there, you might have to change your entire damn offense just to try to you know compensate for that. So I agree. You almost got to build in fail safes within the roster that way. Yeah, with and that's some like guys. When we were talking about building fail safes or just having the multiplicity in positions, and when you brought Which is up why Ro- you love Kerstetter, and that's why like when you brought up Roshan Johnson, it's so big that you can continue to always recruit quarterbacks. But if you have a in case of emergency, that's it's true. a better situation than say Texas might have been in for like four years well, when yeah. you would be like, ah, give me one, please. Yeah, and that's quarter. That's part <laughs> anybody. Of the, well, that's part of quarterbacks now being more Bouchel running backs, was right? The yeah. Sh- savior. Yeah. Remember how highly thought of Bouchelle was only because we had Love satisfactory Bucelli. quarterback play Love immediately Bucelli, a first game on campus. That man saved the he yeah. saved us from quarterback hell. He's a savior. That, that Texas Notre Dame game was on TV recently. I watched some of it, and it was a it's a weird place in time to put your mind. I was, was going to say it's like going into a time warp. It doesn't even seem like it really happened. Oh, it happened. I need the Kenny Powers drop, man. It doesn't even seem like something that's real. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I know that's Danny McBride, not Kenny Powers, but but that's that's point. his that's name to me. Right, that is exactly. Yeah. Yeah. More Danny people McBride get what you're Kenny saying. Powers. Yeah, thank you, Matt. <laughs> Appreciate that. But no, and I think Germay. Here's the other thing, too, Rod. You talk about Kerstetter's versatility. If Germay is good enough to push Kerstetter, 
if Jones isn't ready to take a starting job or they don't, Herb Hand doesn't like what he's getting from Denzel Okafor and Gurmai's ready, does he just say, well, just start Gurmai at center, keep Kirsten at right tackle and keep going. And then if something happens to Rafiti, all right, then you slide Kerstetter or inside, and then now you're just trying to find a right tackle. And that's the luxury of having position flex. At least you give yourself options. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? In case injuries happen or underachievement, whatever the situation yeah. may be, you could end up, you know, finding a a diamond in the rough. because, hey, man, you know what? I I planned for this guy being Plan B or contingency plan at one position, but mm-hmm. because of my, you know, because of me being responsible about it, mm-hmm. now I can actually have the option to fix something else, to, to 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 solve another problem on the offensive line. So I agree with that. Like I, I know the last two years, Calvin Anderson and, and Parker Braun were probably two best available guys in the portal in terms of grad transfer offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. You can go back and look and debate, whatever, but you got them because you had a need and they were the best available and good Lord, they filled both those needs. But if I'm Herb Hand, if I'm any offensive line coach, I'm going into the portal every year for offensive linemen. Yeah, for that graduate. That, yeah. Yeah, that guy that's a third, fourth year guy yeah. trying to come out. I agree with you on that because he's got a grown man body. He's already been in the weight room for three years or whatever. Yeah, he knows how physical the it's game is. It's a safe is. spot to go to mm-hmm. if you have a glaring hole that something odd happened that messed up your roster. It's like, well, nowadays not only can you get the grad transfer, the potential transfer, and get a guy that's at that latter half of his career. That can be college Plug gap, what we've seen at Texas, like three of the last five seasons. Because since we started this show, and anybody that listens to this show knows I've been hammering this from day one. This program needs an infusion of talent and depth along the offensive line. And Rod, dare I say, I think they're a year away from being really close to being there. Hmm. If that makes any sense. Yeah, well, because they got guys in the pipeline. Yeah. Yeah, if those guys are developed. I think at this time next year. You'll have all the raw material you need. Yeah, I think at this time next year we can look at that group and say, now it's time for this group that's pretty much exclusively Herb and recruits. It's time for you guys to show us. You don't have any more gaps in your recruiting and then the personnel on the line. Like you should have by then stockpiled the talented depth you talk about. And and this is is the thing with Gramai and Reese Moore and Christian Jones. You, now this is the time where you've been able to stock, stash away some guys and develop them. Mm-hmm. And yeah. gosh, we spend so much time on this show talking about player development. This is a position where your player development has been garbage for the last decade plus. It, it's it's got it's got to deliver now. Well, that then, offensive line's where it's got to deliver. Not that it doesn't at other positions, but that's where it, yeah. it's got to. Because you've gone through this process of recruiting and stashing guys away and trying to do this the right way. It would be a real shame if the player development's not there and then there ends up being another gap in the pipeline and we're just starting it all over again. Yeah. Well, now, that would probably be the end of a tenure because, like, if you I agree. At, yeah, exactly, because exactly, right. it's what got Texas to this point, and it sounds crazy to say, but, yeah, just getting an average to above average line at Texas really can put you ahead of basically the other 98% of college football. There's those few blue bloods, the cream of the crop, that can have and expect – 
above average to elite O-lines, and Texas should be in that group. And then, like, when you look at this past year, at least development-wise, you got the production finishing the year from via Football Outsiders, 11th in-line yards, 9th in standard down-line yards, your 11th in opportunity rate, and 10th in stuff rate. So you had production, finally, that was above average, yeah. which is good, and we saw that from time to time, but that doesn't mean it's going to do that every year, and if you can fill that gap, you're good. Rod, this goes back to something you talked about uh, as we get out of here. Can you think of a year like last year where the numbers offensively, whether you want to look at advanced statistics, analytics, raw numbers, whatever, the numbers say, man, this offense was damn near elite. And the eye test was just like, eh, they were okay. I wonder how much of it has to do with the Big 12. Yep, and modern football. And modern because football, like, yeah, yeah. You can be an elite one and still have 10 offenses that are better than you. And yeah. looking just at this O-line, number one was Clemson. Number three or four was OU. Number five ended up dropping down to seven is Ohio State. Number eight is LSU. So, I mean, yeah, you could be good, and you aren't as good as them, and you aren't going to win championships, and we're going to be saying the same thing until you get to that level. Yeah. No, it is. A, I agree with you, though. It is a. It's a hell of a – like a mind blank because I'm with I was like man all the stats you look at them all the mm-hmm. metrics they say this is a good offense Sam Ellinger you looked at his stats go look at Sam's numbers Sam's numbers I know I looked at them too and I was like damn we should they should have won more games considering those stats they're almost like yep. the Cowboys well we make that comparison all the time but the Cowboys <laughs> had great stats this year offensively and yet it didn't translate to wins. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of that, it was coaching for the Cowboys. I think a lot of it is coaching for the Longhorns. And when you it's look at simple. who's winning championships and, in yeah. the Big 12, Oklahoma, was like, well, the, coming into this year, they had only had the best co- or best offense in the history of college football and followed it up with a better offense in the history of and college pumping football. pumping out great old And then too. they went down <laughs> a little bit with Jalen Hurts last year. But, like, when you, you're having to beat that, and it's – you were talking about it can be elite for Texas. It can be yeah. top five. If you aren't better than them – it's going to be hard. It doesn't even matter. You probably aren't going to win. Yep, that's true. And Sadly enough. Well, and, and the owner, GM, went about fixing his problem with the Cowboys. The head coach, GM, went about fixing his problem yeah. with the Longhorns. Exactly. Because you want to bring the best out in, in Sam, more importantly. So the O-line thing, going back to what you talked about, if they if they have an underachieving O-line, that means Sam's going to underachieve. And that is and his last season. To have him not accomplish something special, meaning a Big 12 title of some kind or, you know, I don't know, a playoff spot or something. I don't know. Even double-digit wins would be great. I think Longhorn fans would be disappointed. Yep. Yeah. And Sam would be disappointed. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. That's going to do it for this week's show. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. Anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 1049-1019-AM1260. Streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com where you can catch me most weekdays. 10 to noon, mm-hmm. and you can catch Rod B now every weekday, 3 to 7. That's right. Famous plug. Thanks to Matt, you can get our archives, all of our classic interviews and shows on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. And you can get this podcast anywhere you get your podcast by searching Horns 24-7 podcast. You get us, you get State of Recruiting, and the flagship Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. Anywhere you get your podcast, just search Horns 24-7 podcasts. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I am Jeff Howell, downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.